number 321, so if you'll take a hymnal and open your book to 321, we're going to sing Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Singing together. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift up holy hands in one accord. Singing, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's sing that one again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift up holy hands in one accord, singing, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now we're going to continue singing the next one, number 322, and let's stand together as we sing this one. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. Sing it one more time. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. Now, I know there's someone here you don't know because there's several guests here, so take time, shake hands with three or four folks who you don't know. Would you do that? Once you've shaken all those hands, you can go back to your seats and have a seat. Number 365 in your hymnal. This is a, um, a great song on missions. When our daughter was commissioned as a journeyman missionary, this was a song they sang, and it's got a great text. You may not know it, but let's learn it together. May we be a shining light. Here we go. May we be a shining light to the nation, a shining light to the peoples of the earth, till the whole world see the glory of your name. May your pure light shine through us. May we bring a word of hope to the nation, 
a word of life to the peoples of the earth till the whole world their salvation through your name may your mercy flow through us may we be a healing balm to the nation a healing ball to the peoples of the earth till the whole world know the power of your name may your healing flow through us may we sing a song of joy to the nation a song of praise to the peoples of the earth till the whole world sing. With the praises of your name, may your song be sung through us. May your kingdom come to the nation, your will be done in the peoples of the earth till the whole world know that Jesus Christ is Lord. May your kingdom come on earth. All right, good singing. Pastor has some words for us here. Thank you, David Dell. I want to take a minute and introduce our speaker. I believe they're downstairs, actually, in the um, team kid. I also want to give a couple of updates, but uh, tonight, this more, this more, you know, it's hard. You know, at seven forty-five, we made our decision to cancel church this morning because it was snowing. Then, literally after that, you start telling folks. Thirty minutes later, it just completely quit snowing, and starts drying up. So you always wonder, did we make the right decision? But it was. It's one of those things, that, or the the weather forecast said it was going to snow till like ten forty-five in the morning. So, but anyway, we're glad you're here. Our, evening worship service. This is our one and only worship service here. Tonight is Super Bowl Sunday, so the uh, Super Bowl's going on, but I know we have some kid, children here. Um, Kenny and Cheryl Morris, he's going to be preaching tonight, and um, we have to do something called Team Kid for three years old through sixth grade. It meets uh, just right down the elevator there. And then the teenagers, this, um, the older, the seventh through twelfth graders, they're meeting downstairs in the youth room. They actually have a brand new 65-inch TV screen, so they're watching the Super Bowl and having a big party down there right now. So if we have teenagers and youth here, uh, they can certainly go down um, and uh, check those out. I wanted to introduce Kenny and Cheryl, then I'm going to make a couple of announcements of some things uh, going on. Uh, Kenny and Cheryl Morris used to be members here at Broadway 20 years ago, or about or so, I think maybe 18 years ago, but they are now IMB missionaries with um, the International Mission Board, which we support through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering and through our cooperative program giving here at Southern Baptist. It goes to supporting them, and they work with indigenous peoples there in Panama, mainly in southern Panama, trying to train folks, indigenous peoples, uh, uh, native uh, Indians there, to take the gospel themselves to the peoples. But So it's they're going to be sharing about that, and they're not far from the Colombian border, so they can... Uh, get, train folks to go into Columbia. So that's very encouraged. Uh, back in April, we had a couple of uh, folks from Broadway go down and actually work with Kenny and Cheryl. So, and I was one of them, so I actually first met them in Panama City. They're right there uh, on the mission field. So it was encouraging to get to know them. I found out that they're living here in Frankfurt. Their, their daughter's having a baby, so that's why they're here um, uh, in town. So 
Everything just lined up for them to preach here on Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, they're going to be up here in a minute. They're downstairs speaking. uh, Team Kid does missions, and they're the mission speakers tonight for that. I want to make a couple of announcements and some things since this uh, I didn't get a chance to this morning. We have lots of announcements always here at church. Next week we have, and actually next Sunday night we have a Valentine banquet, a big Valentine dinner here. And the only reason I'm pushing you to sign up for it is because we're catering our food from Columbia Steakhouse. So they're actually coming and they're doing it all. Uh, so we don't have to serve. Darlene doesn't have to cook. She doesn't have to serve. They're bringing folks to serve it. But like they need, they have to know. Rick Hawthorne is organizing this. They have to know if they're going to bring a. Uh, 100 stakes or 200 stakes, so that's why we need you to sign up for this. You need to go on our website and click on the little link there. It has a little logo, the Valentine logo on the website. Just put, it's ten, it costs $10. That's a great deal. You can't go anywhere for, you need a steak dinner for $10. And, and you get um, a concert as well, a, a quartet called the Overtones. They're going to be playing here. If some of you are in Rodney Welch's Sunday School class, the Overtones came to their Christmas party or Valentine's party last year, so uh, they've been here before. They did a great job, and for the children, it's it's um, we're going to serve pizza for them. It's free, so the kids are free. Ten dollars per person. I want everybody to come. Uh, we're gonna have a great time. It is next Sunday night. It's going to replace our evening worship service next week, February 11th at six o'clock downstairs. We'll have a Valentine banquet. We need to know as soon as possible so we can let them know. Those are our announcements. Those are th- things going on. I do want to ask, who's going for the Patriots tonight? Mm-hmm. Okay, six, seven. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, that is true. For those who are going to watch it, seven people. Okay, who's going for the Eagles? That was, I think it was eight to seven Eagles. Wow. So 15 people are going to watch the game. So that is, so that's a big, big football crowd. You know, I, you know, I'm a Bama fan, so I believe college football has replaced NFL. So with that. <laughs> anyway, Dave, that, that was the main announcement. So Kenny show, they're going to be back. We're going to show a video here. Gospel Reach Foundation is what uh, Kenny uh, partners with. It's out of Missouri. IMB is not able to supply all their needs, so there's an organization that's come alongside of them that you can give to. Uh, it actually goes to directly some of their work. He'll be sharing about that, so in a little bit we'll have that video. All right, thank you, David. All right, another more traditional hymn about missions, number 364. Number 364, Send the Light. There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless way. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel, let it shine from shore to shore, send the light, the blessed gospel, forevermore. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light, and a golden offering at the cross. We send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel. 
let it shine forevermore. Send the light, the blessed gospel, let it shine forevermore. Let us pray that grace may everywhere about send the light, send the light. Let Christ like spirit everywhere about send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel. Let it shine forevermore. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown. Send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel. Let it shine forevermore. All right, turn back over to number 113. He giveth more grace. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials. His multiplied peace, His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary, known unto man. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when real strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of a hoarded resource, our Father's forgiving, his only be God. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. All right, over to number 551. This will be an offertory hymn. All that thrills my soul. Let's stand together as we sing this one.
Who can cheer the heart like Jesus by his great all divine true tender Oh, how blessed to call him mine. All that thrills my soul is more than life to me and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see love of Christ so freely given grace of God beyond degree Mercy higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. Verse number four. Every need is supplying. Every good in him I see. On his strength divine relying. He is all in all to me. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten In my blessed Lord I All right, ushers, you come as we sing the last. By the crystal flowing river with the ransomed I will sing and forever and forever praise and glorify the King all that thrills my soul is Jesus he is more than life to me and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. All right, Brother Bill, lead us in prayer, please, sir.
Hey, this is David with Gospel Reach, and we are partnering with our indigenous missionaries in Panama, in the Hake region especially, our Embara partners. Uh, God has granted that we would have land uh, to build a training center on with our indigenous. And folks, the purpose of the training center is to, to make disciples, to train up, to equip, and prepare to send them out. So we're asking you to pray uh, specifically that God would enable this training center to happen. Uh, the land is, is taken care of, but it's going to require us to cut trees, uh, to float lumber down the river. It's going to require materials to do this, and it's going to require people. So we would ask that you pray specifically for God to take care of those things. And we would ask that you really pray about the sending. We need to celebrate the sending of missionaries all over the world. But in this case, we need to celebrate the sending of our indigenous missionaries into Colombia. They're taking the gospel to those who have never heard in their heart language. And so we need to pray just as Jesus did in the garden. John 17, 20. He said, I pray not only for these, but all those who will believe through their message. And then we need to give, folks. And got two guitars that are being sold. They're handcrafted in Panama and they're being sold to support the work that's going on in this area. So will you give and even give above the guitars because we need you to pray. We need to send and we need to give. Thank you very much. Killing time. <laughs> Say what? He doesn't walk fast, and he's probably in the middle of something down there. How many of y'all know a missionary? Not not the ones here tonight, but how many of you know a real life missionary? Good. Tell us tell us some of the countries they're in, if you know them, where they've been. Oh, here they come. Where was it? Japan. All right. I know the first music missionaries to Japan. They. Retired some time ago, but they're good. All right, we're turning it over to y'all. You're you're ready. We're ready for you. <laughs> good evening. Just about lost it. Thank you, Daniel, for letting us be here tonight, and thank you all for coming out on a cold winter night. It's probably colder for me than it is for you. Uh, Cheryl was telling the kids downstairs, a, a real, real, real cold day that we don't get very many of is 75 in Panama. So uh, this is pretty cold for us. I wanted to share with you all tonight uh, some of the things that are the most important things that I've ever learned. And I learned them here in this building at this campus. And it is that Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scripture. And he was buried, and he was raised again the third day, according to the Scripture. 
The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on the one whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear unless they preach? And how can they preach unless they've been sent? Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, for the Jew first, but also to the Greeks, to the people who live in Lexington, Kentucky, but also to the people who live in the jungles of Columbia, it is the power of God unto salvation. Pastor Daniel, thank you for letting me be here tonight just to talk a little bit about what God's doing and what God's showing me. And, you know, I'm so excited to be back at Broadway because most of you members here at Broadway don't remember us because we've been gone a long time. But we spent a lot of years here, probably me more than 30 years and Cheryl more than that, more than 40 years here at Broadway. So we, we spent a lot of years here in the years past, and um, you guys really invested heavily in us. And uh, we, every time Paul went out, he would return to Antioch and give a report. So thank you for letting us come back and give a report of what's going on in our lives. You know, I wanted to share with you all just a little bit about Jesus' ministry and some of the things it says, because it applies to us. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said, it says about Jesus that he preached a message about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent. And he called it the good news. And then just a few verses later, it says that Jesus, you know, he picks, it, he picks up these disciples, and then just a couple of verses later, it says they went to Capernaum. And when they entered into Capernaum, he was preaching in the synagogue. And man, they were amazed at this preaching because he had power. It said he, he preached as one who had authority. Not like the Jewish teachers of the law. As I was reading that passage just a couple of days ago, as I was coming in on the plane, I thought, man, where is the authority in our lives? Do we have a life that, that shows this, this authority? Do we have any right to have that authority in our lives? Are people noticing what's going on in our lives? Do they see that power and that authority that God has invested in us through the Holy Spirit. You see what happened, the very next verse says, it was this wild man. He jumps up and he starts screaming and hollering and saying, Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Son of God. Have you come here to destroy us? And Jesus said, shut up. That's good Kentucky talk there. Shut up. And come out of him. And it says that he shrieked and come out of the man. 
And the people were amazed. They'd never seen anything like that. They said, what is this new teaching? And it's with authority that he's teaching. Even the evil spirits obey him. Now, I wanted to tell you this story tonight because it's really important on a number of different levels. Because we deal, this is our life, we deal with these evil spirits. Now, I realize in our culture here, a lot of times when we talk about evil spirits and we read stories like this, in Mark chapter 5, there's another story about a guy living in, in, a, in, a, in the tombs. You all know the story. We kind of think, well, that's far-fetched. That's not our reality. That's Ghostbuster stuff. That's stuff that they put on television, and it's not really real. But I just want you guys to know that's not true. That's our life. These indigenous people that we work with, they live scared to death of these evil spirits. They're afraid. And so, when we tell stories like this story of Jesus, when he had authority over these evil spirits, they're willing to listen to that because they're afraid. And they want... They want an authority over these evil spirits. They want to know that there is some way to deal with these evil spirits. So I just want you guys to know that so you can be, so you can be more intelligent on how to pray for us. Because sometimes that's very difficult. Because, you know, who's not skeptical of evil spirits, right? We don't see that manifestation of evil spirits here in the United States like we do in the jungles of Colombia and the jungles of Panama. The other part of this verse that I found very interesting that I wanted to challenge you with uh, tonight is this idea of the authority. It says that Jesus spoke as one who had authority, not like the Jewish teachers of the law. You know, there's, there's a lot of folks that are preaching today, and they have a message a lot of times it's a prosperity message, po- the, the, the power of positive thinking. Uh, if, if, if you have enough faith that uh, you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and if you're not those things, you don't have enough faith. Have you all heard those messages before? And all I've got to say is hogwash. It's not true. It's not biblical. Look at, look at Paul. What was wrong with Paul? Paul had no faith at all because all of these things, he lived in, a, in constant distress. He, at one place he even writes, we feared for our lives. But Jesus had a message unlike that message. And our message is unlike that message of prosperity. It's unlike that message of if you just have enough faith, it's unlike that. The message that we have is the truth. It is a message with authority that changes people's lives. And I want to encourage you tonight because this message has been given to us. It's been given to us. Now, you guys that don't know me say, yeah, there's some missionary up there talking, but you guys that know me know that I was a farmer for 30 years but that message was given to us 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
verse 17, verse everybody knows. But it says this, it says, For any man that is in Christ, let me say that again, For any man that is in Christ, he's a new creature, the old things have passed away, and everything has become new. Then it gets good. That's pretty good stuff right there. But then it gets good. It said, and he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Who's the us? Who's the us he's talking about here? I'd like to share with you a real short story of a conversation I had with a, a preacher of one of the, the churches that uh, they call themselves a church. It's not really a church. It's one of these groups that that don't really believe that Christ is the mediator between Christ and man. But I was at, they have this apostle who lives in Panama. It's called the Luz del Mundo. It's the name of the church, the light of the world. Um, so I was, I was trying to find out about it because I knew nothing about this. We call them a sect. And um, so I was questioning him about that. How does, it, how does that work? What do you believe? How do you get saved? And man, his message sounded so good. Sometimes the message sounds so good of these guys. You know, you just have faith in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. Sound really good. And, I, and so I kind of looked at him and I said, uh, I believe all that. Am I saved? And he said, well, no. And I was kind of confused. I thought, I just ask you how to be saved, and you tell me it's faith in Jesus Christ alone, and I tell you that I believe that, and you tell me I'm not saved. What am I missing? There's something else that I, I don't understand. And then he starts to explain to me about their apostle in Mexico and how he is the minister of reconciliation. And he turns to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, and he says, look here, this talks about him being the, you know, Paul was an apostle, and he says this us is the apostles. He's only writing this to the apostles. That's what this guy said. And since we have an apostle, he is the minister of reconciliation. If you know that passage, you know it goes on to say that we're ambassadors of Christ. We've been entrusted with the word, the message, and the word of reconciliation. But he's telling me that only this guy in Mexico has been entrusted with that. And I said, brother, the only problem with your understanding is you didn't start in verse 17. What does it say in 17? If any man be in Christ. And I said, you can write my name right there. If Kenny Morse be in Christ, old things have passed away, everything has become new, and he's given to us that any man in Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. He's given that to us. He's given it to every single one of you who are in Christ. You, are, you have the message of reconciliation. You are responsible. You know the verse 19? It says, it says that he's been given, he gave to us the word of reconciliation. And then you know, he goes on to explain a little bit there what that reconciliation is. He says that, that, it, that God through Christ was not counting our sin against us. That's that reconciliation. And then verse 20, we are ambassadors of Christ. You are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of us are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's given us the right to negotiate on his behalf, 
Do you know what that verse says? It says that God Himself is reaching people through your voice. That's what that verse says. Look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Look at it and see if it don't say that. It's just like God Himself is rogando in Spanish, begging, pleading through you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. It's the same Holy Spirit that was living in Paul. That's the reason he can say us. He's talking about us that are in this room tonight who are in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you tonight to know that you have authority. The same authority that Jesus was preaching at here when he was in Capernaum, you have. We have it. Because we're in him. It's not an authority like the other sect groups. It's not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Now I want to show you guys just a little bit about how we make disciples because, you know, we can talk about it a whole lot, but I feel like we do a whole lot better if we could show you. I want to show you what we do. i give you an example of how we make disciples in Panama, and then I'll talk a little bit more about some other stuff. But Mark chapter 2, you know, Jesus was in Capernaum when all this stuff happened I've been talking about. Mark chapter 2 starts off and said that Jesus comes back to Capernaum. So he had left, but then he comes back. And when he comes back into Capernaum, everybody heard that Jesus was there, so they all showed up. And Jesus was in the house preaching the Word, and the house filled up with people. It was so full, not another person could get in. These four guys show up, carrying this crippled man. And they got there, and they couldn't get in the house. So they climbed up. He sees people in and they said, What's he thinking? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, turns to them and said, Why are you thinking like this? Is it easier for me to say, your sins have been forgiven? Or is it easier for me to say, rise and walk? They didn't say anything. They were quiet. Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin here on the earth. They were simply amazed. And never seen anything like this before. Now that's the story that we find. 1 through 12. Now, I want to ask you some questions. You're going to have to help me. You guys are not used to somebody standing up here and you have to talk, but that's the way we're going to do this. Okay? What's well, the first thing that happens? We want to stand what happened in the story? So what happened in the story? What was the first thing? 
I'm sorry? Jesus showed up. You remember the name of the town? Capernaum. Okay, what happened in Capernaum? Jesus shows up and what happened? A crowd showed up. Everybody came. It was full of people. And then what happened? Okay, they, they, they come carrying, these four guys come in carrying their friends, didn't they? And what they do? They just walk right in and say, Jesus, here he is. What are you going to do? That's not what happened, is it? What happened next? They climbed up on the roof, didn't they? And then what they do? They tore a hole in the roof. And then what they do? They let, they let him down. Now, the next thing happens really important. Then what happened? Jesus, who said that? Yeah. Jesus saw their faith. Now, I want you to notice here, he saw their faith. Okay, and then what happened? He, he told the man his sins were forgiven. Thank you, Neil. And then what happened? There's always some religious people in the crowd. What happened next? I'm sorry? No, he didn't get up and walk there. That was a little bit later. What happened now? Okay, the religious leaders got upset, and, and what did they think? It, they didn't say it, but what did they think? They said he's blaspheming. Why was he blaspheming? It's really important. Because he was forgiving sin. He told the man his sins were forgiven, and who can forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. <clears throat> we're going to come back to that in a minute, because that's what we're going to learn here. Okay, then what happened? He forgave his sin. And, and they said he's blaspheming. And then what happened? He, he, what did he say? What do you all think about that? It's what Jesus said. He said, is it easier to say, Danny, your sins are forgiven, brother? Or is it easier to say, get up and walk? Which one's easier? Think about that for a minute. We're going to come back to that in a minute. And then what happened? Jesus said something really important next. What did he say? He said that you may know what? The authority of the Son of Man. I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sin. That's what he's saying here. I want you to know it. And how am I going to let you know that I have that authority? Get up and walk. And then what happened? He got up and walked, didn't he, brother? He got up and walked. And the people, tell me about the people. What did they do? They were astonished. It says they praised the Lord. They worshiped God. And they said something. We've never seen anything like this before. Okay, this, we've established the facts now. Now I want you all to listen because we're going to go through this a couple more times and then I'm going to ask one of you to come up here and tell the story. Okay. Somebody really brave is going to need to come up here and tell the story because what, I want, what I'm doing, and, and as I do this in Panama with my indigenous friends, is I'm teaching them to be a disciple. And a disciple is somebody who has the authority to talk about these things. And so we're giving them just a little short story here 
but they're going to have something that they can share with somebody. So I want one of you all to come up here in a few minutes and tell the story. So listen to it real close this time as we go through it again. We've established the facts. We know what happened in the story. The second thing I want to do with the story is we want to know the significance of what happened. Now we know what happened. Now we want to know the significance of what happened in this story. Okay, Jesus comes back to Capernaum, and the house fills up with people. What does that tell us? What does that tell us that all the people showed up? Okay, let me ask you a question. Did these people have faith in Jesus? They showed up. Did they show up? You know, Jesus had been there. They said, man, he's got authority and he's got power. And what he preaches, it's not like these other guys. And then he comes back and everybody shows up. They're there. I believe they have at least some faith. What kind of faith? We don't know. But I believe they got faith. And they want to see the show. Because if you read the rest of that Mark chapter 1, we know that Jesus healed everybody afterwards. In just a few verses after where we were talking a while ago, he heals everybody. So they come because they want to see the show. And they have some kind of faith that Jesus is going to put on a show. This authority of Jesus is going to happen. And they show up, so many people that the house is full. And then what happens? These four guys show up. What's the significance of these four guys showing up? What, do they have any faith? They have faith? Is it the same as these people that come and fill the house up? What do you think? Is it the same faith or is it a different faith? Stronger faith. Why? What's your opinion on that? Why, why is it a different faith? Why is it a stronger faith? Yeah, they've probably seen the miracles before. What else? Somebody else back there talking, but I can't hear who it is. They didn't only think he had the power, they knew he had the, th- the power to do it. And the, the verses we read there in, in Mark chapter 1, they knew that he, he, he didn't preach a message like everybody else. He had authority. And when he healed everybody when he was there before, he showed them that he could do it. Wow, is that big or not? That's big. They not only, they not only had faith that God could heal, they said he will heal this guy if we get him there. Now, they let this man down through the hole in the roof. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> now, they let the guy down through the hole, and Jesus looks up, and he says, he looks up to these guys, and it says he sees their faith. What does that mean? To you, what, what do you think, what, what is, what's the significance of that? That Jesus looks up and he sees their faith, and then he looks at the guy and said, your sons are forgiven. What does that tell us? That tells us something really important. What does it tell us? It wasn't really even dependent on him, was it? Not completely anyway. These guys, his, his friends, they did something now, now, could these guys forgive the guy's sin? They couldn't. Could they heal this man? But did they know somebody that could? 
Do we? Do you? We can't forgive anyone's sin. We can't heal anybody, but we know somebody who can. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of friend. I want to be that kind of friend to put that guy on his shoulder and bring him to where Jesus is. What else do we learn here in this story? How about, tell me about these religious people. Brother Daniel, do you have any religious people in your church? Just a few. I'm afraid sometimes I might be one of those religious people. We're always wanting to be so sure we don't make no mistakes that sometimes we question what God's doing in our midst, right? We can do that. And, and what happened here? The religious people, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, they immediately jumped to the conclusion of, wow, he is blaspheming. Be careful, religious people. Be careful. We need to be careful. So what happens? What happened? What did Jesus say? Did Jesus address it or did he just let it go? He addressed it, didn't he? Jesus looked right at them. They weren't even saying anything. They were just thinking it. Daddy, I don't know what you're thinking. You see what I'm saying? They didn't even speak it. But Jesus... Jesus has proven who he is here, guys. Look at it. Is he? He knows what he's thinking, and he, he addresses it even though they don't say anything about it. Why are you thinking like this? Is it easier to say? What does that mean? He said, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say, get up and walk? What does that mean? Which one's easier? What do you think? Which one's easier? Get up and walk is easier than your sins are forgiven. Who would be willing to come up here and help me? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I need some help to make a point. You're not easily embarrassed. Come on up here, brother. I need somebody else. Heather or Jennifer, come on up and help me. I know you guys. <clears throat> okay, Cheryl, lay down there. You're, Cheryl's laying there sick. There she is. Now, can, can you... Can you tell her that she can get up and, and she'll be well? Can you do that? But can you tell her, can you say, guess what Jesus says, is it easier to say, that's what he says, to say, your sins are forgiven. Can you tell her her sins are forgiven? Go over there and tell her her sins are forgiven. Now, are her sins forgiven because Heather said, no. But can she say it? She said it. Now, can you go over there and tell her, rise and walk? I can, but she may not do it. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you. You made my point. Which one's easier? Every single one of us here can say, your sins have been forgiven, your sins have been forgiven, your sins have been forgiven. Are their sins forgiven? No. Why? Only God can forgive sin, Right. Right. Amen. And so they question Jesus. They question this authority. It's all about Jesus' authority is what's going on here. Remember, we started off talking about the authority, and it's coming back to Jesus' authority, right? It's coming back. They said, he don't have the authority to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Who does this guy think he is? He's blaspheming. You see what's happening here? 
Now, what does Jesus do? Pay attention to what Jesus does here. He proves it, don't he, brother? Who does, what does he prove? That he has authority. What else did he prove? That he's the Son of God. That he's the boss. He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin. Think about this question that they ask. They said, only God can forgive sin. Is that right or is that wrong? Are they thinking wrongly, the religious people? They're not thinking wrongly, right? Only God can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. They're not thinking wrongly. They just don't understand who Jesus is. But what happens here is so important because I've heard people say, Jesus never claimed to be God. You better read the story again. He's claiming very clearly here who he is. Right or wrong? Am I right or am I wrong? Jesus is claiming very clearly who he is here. He's saying, I'm going to to show you that I have the authority. Get up and walk. And there was the visible proof. He's saying, you heard me say his sins are forgiven. You don't believe that, but watch this. Get up and walk. He proves who he is. They were amazed. They were amazed. Okay, now we're going to ask you a third set of questions. Okay, we've been through the story twice. We've been through it really three times already. But we're going to go through it one more time with another set of questions. How do we apply what we've learned from this story in our lives now? We know what happened in the story. We know the significance of what happened in the story. Now, how are we going to apply this in our lives? So how can we apply this in our lives? How can we apply it? We want to be those kind of friends, don't we? Boy, I want to be one of those kind of friends. Well, that's, I see that as a big one. We need to be that kind of friend. Amen. What else can we learn? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Amen. Demonstrate our faith. Now remember, we talked about two different kinds of faith here. Which one, which one are you? Let me, let, me, let me share what some of my, I think they're insights. I'll let you determine whether they're, you can decide whether they're insights or not. But the, everybody that shows up, hey, every Sunday morning, Brother Daniel, this church fills up with people. They're coming. And they believe, every single one of them, that God can do whatever God decides to do. Hey, we believe that. I've been a Baptist a long time, and I believe it. God can do whatever God decides to do. But not all of us that walk through the door believe that God will do it. And that God will respond to me and my prayers to Him. Or that God will work through me to change someone else's life. Not everyone believes that. And that's what I see taking place with these guys. They not only believe that God could do it, they believe God would do it. And He would even use them to accomplish that task. And their faith was so incredible that Jesus looks up at them. He's looking at us, guys. He's looking at us. He's looking at our faith. And as he looks at our faith, is he going to, these folks we're bringing to him, what's he doing? Is he going to say, 
Is he going to, the Holy Spirit convicting those folks of their sin so that they can come to a personal relationship with God through our work, through our ministry, through our faith? I think we need to apply that to our lives. I think we see that very clearly in this story, and I believe we need to, we need to apply that faith in our lives. The brother was talking about have that, show that faith. That's really important that we demonstrate that faith. Is there anything else in this story that you see that we need to apply in our lives? Amen. Amen. They overcome great difficulty, and, and we may have to too, right? Now, I want to ask you, a suppo- I, you know, I want to ask you one of those questions that Ronald Reagan said we should never ask, and what if? What if questions? The what if question is, do you think it's possible that in Capernaum there was somebody else that was sick that didn't get healed that day that Jesus would have healed if somebody had brought him to him? What do you think? Very possible. Just something for us to think about. Why? Because there's somebody around you that you can bring to Christ, that you can show Christ that you can be showing faith that God will touch them through your prayers and be praying for them. We always have those folks in our lives. And God's going to respond to our faith. You know, a lot I've heard folks say, well, you know, I just don't have much faith in God. Well, don't worry about it, because I do. Just think about, that. think about it that way. When they tell you, you know, I just don't know if I don't want to believe in that God. Don't worry about it, because I believe in Him, and I'm going to be praying for you. And He's going to respond to my prayers for you. That's what happened to this guy. God will respond to our prayers. He will show that authority through us that he's given us through his power because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, who's brave enough to come up here and tell the story? Don't worry about it. If you don't get it all right, we'll all help you. But who's brave enough to come and try to tell the story? My indigenous folks love this. They get up here and tell the story. Every one of them, they fight for who gets to tell the story first. Make Steve do it. Steve, come up here and tell the story. You can do it. Come on. Come on. You you guys know this story. You all know this story. The indigenous people have never heard this story before, so we have to work through it. But, you know, we have a lady we're working with. I believe she's got a photographic memory because we tell this story twice. She can tell it better than we can. Yep. 
Especially that's on the roof. They're trying to hardly stand on the living crap out of it. They bore a hole in his roof because they're convinced Jesus can save their family. They're willing to accept the consequences because Jesus can save their family. I mean, that, that's a hard thing for us as Christians. I think sometimes it's easy to, to say what we believe, but we don't want to step past a certain line because there's consequences. I would be a missionary, but I might get hurt. I might not come home. You know, I would give my money for this, but it would have been a few weeks. These guys were, I mean, they were committed. They were willing to accept the consequences. Jesus recognized that. He saw their faith. And that's what he said. He pointed out just by the way he spoke to them, I'm God. I can say, your sins are forgiven. And it'll happen. Exactly the same way that when I say, rise up and walk, it'll happen. So like I said, for me, the, the really big part of that, it's important for us to, to look at it and take away. Jesus is God. I mean, there's a straight up claim right there. But for us on a day-to-day basis, we need to, to look at the difference between involvement and commitment. And we need to be the guys carrying the power. Thank you. I hope we, we have given you at least a little bit of a, of a, a glimpse of a tool that we use to disciple people with. We use this tool to, to help people grow in Christ and to share Christ. And, uh, you know, so many times we're discipling our culture. We're discipling folks. But I know for me it took a lot of years before I got to the point of where I could start retelling the story, start sharing a gospel message. Many, many, many years and we know that those folks who are coming to Christ have got that excitement to share. I think of Mark chapter 5, the story of the demonic guy, and Jesus sends him straight back to his people, his house, to tell what had happened to him. And so many times we lose that in our churches because just sit there in a pew for a good 20 years and learn. And so we're using this tool called story to make disciples. And not only people who make disciples, but we're teaching them how to make other disciples who are going to make other disciples. So we talk about this multiplication process of disciples making disciples. And really and truly, Cheryl and I have been working really diligently in a couple of Emberai villages and with some of our Emberai friends specifically. We work with some other folks, some Kunas. And we have some disciples among the Kuna people. And we're also starting to work among the Wonan people. And the reason we work with these three groups is because these groups, these are indigenous groups. If I were talking about the Chidiki and, and the Iroquois and some of these, you all would, these are indigenous people just like that. They have their own language. Now, they speak Spanish as well, but they have their own language. Complicates things a little bit for us. Um, but these are the people that we're ministering to. And this is one of the tools that we're using to make disciples. 
And it's a very simple thing. We can teach them a story and teach them how to ask these three different sets of questions that are very simple. And then we send them out and they tell the stories. And we don't send them out without us being with them. We start off, you know, we use this what we call the mall process. You know, we, first we're with them. We model it. This is how you do it. And then, you know, we, we, we show them how to do it. We'll go into somebody's house, and we'll do the process, and they're just listening. And then we go in, and they start, okay, do you, would you like to hear a Bible story? Tell them a Bible story. And we throw them under the bus. I say, right straight under the bus. Now, they know the Bible story because we've been practicing it. It's not like, but they learn, they tell them the Bible story. Okay, then I'll ask the questions. But after a few times of that, they start asking the questions, and now we have many, many, many disciples that are telling the stories. We still go with them a lot because we like to go with them. We're going into some new places where we have disciples. Our disciples, when I go into hockey, I'm quiet. I just watch them work. And that's really what we're about. The only reason I'm there, if they ask a really hard question, I have to go back and say, now what did Neil Barnes teach us about that? And sometimes we have to go back and, and, and look at the Scripture and see what it says about that. And, and, and so they, they have all this confidence. Think about all the confidence you have if you're doing that because if there's a really, really hard question, the farmer from Kentucky is going to be able to answer it. And that's what we do. We give them confidence to be able to share the stories in a setting like this. And now we have our disciples who are going up the rivers in Hake, and they're making disciples of those Indian peoples. And here's the great thing. These three groups that I talked with you about, we share those groups with Colombia. Now, in Panama, we've had access to them, for a, some of them over 100 years, some of them for about 40 years, depending on the tribe. And we have churches among those groups. Among the Kunas, we have a ton of churches. Baptist churches among the Kuna people. They're our most reached people group in Panama. But in Colombia, these three groups are completely unreached with the gospel. Completely unreached. A lot of places, they've never heard the name of Jesus. They've never, ever heard the name of Jesus. So what we're doing is kind of important to help these and and we can't get there. Well, why don't we just do direct engagement and send Kenny and Cheryl Morris right up on Rio Huerdado because it's a war zone. That's why. It's a war zone. Um, some of you may not know what's going on in Colombia, but there's, a, there's three different organizations walking through the jungles where we're talking about these people live with machine guns, and they're trying to take over the government of Colombia, and they would just love to kidnap some gringo couple and hold them for ransom. It's happened before, and it'll happen again if we go in there. So we don't want to cause a lot of problems, but we do want to reach these people with the gospel. As I think about these people, the story of Nicodemus, John chapter 3, verse 18, Jesus says, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, whoever believes in the Son of God will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe in the Son of God, what does it say? He's already condemned. He's already condemned. Now, 
sometimes I have to argue this point with some of our indigenous folks. They say, you know, they're over there in Colombia and they never heard that God ain't going to send them to hell. What do you think? They never heard the name of Jesus. These people believe in God. They believe there's a creator. They have a name for him, Ancone. Are they going to hell? Or are they going to be okay because they never heard the name of Jesus? What do you think? What did Jesus say? He said they're already condemned. That's what Jesus said. Somebody, we were talking about this one day, and somebody said, well, Brother Kenny said that they were condemned. No, 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 no. Brother Kenny didn't say that. Jesus said that. I can say that with authority because Jesus said it. Now, if you don't believe that argument of what Jesus said, think about this. Jesus is preaching there in Mark chapter 1, and it says that he told them the good news. He's preaching something called the gospel, the good news. It's the good news that these guys come. I want you guys to think about this. If it's good news, is it good news if I go and tell them about Jesus and now they know about Jesus, they're going to hell? Is that good news? That's not a good message. Best thing we can do for those people is to stay out of there if they're going to heaven because our message will send them straight to hell. No, it's not. It's bad thinking, thinking they're going to heaven when they've never heard the name of Jesus. They are already condemned. Why do I share that with you? Because my heart's desire, like Paul says in, in Romans chapter 9, is that they would know, that they would hear, and that they would have an opportunity to make a choice. See, if they never hear the name of Jesus, they never even have an opportunity. There's been generations of Indians dying in the Choco province without ever hearing. And now I have an opportunity to make a difference. And that's the reason I use stories like this to make disciples because I can't get in there. I can't do direct engagement. It would be dangerous and it would be highly upsetting to the, to the government for me to be there. But these people, these, these disciples of ours that we've been working with, they fit right in. They look like everybody else. They got black hair and brown eyes. I don't. I don't. I don't fit in there at all. I hope that will help you learn, help you understand just a little bit about what we do. Let me share a story with you. Um, our team, we have these three mottos that we live by as we share uh, with our indigenous brothers that the first thing is that we live to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our overriding motto. I hope that is your motto, that we live to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and we live to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to do that, our second model is, you better prepare your mind for action. You better prepare your mind for action. And that's where we start teaching them stories, because you better be prepared with something. If you're going to make a difference, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to make a disciple, you better be prepared to share something. Storing works great for these people. They're very oral people. They've been telling stories for centuries. This method works very, very, very well for them. Prepare your mind for action. And then our last motto is, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Guys, here at Broadway, 
and, and my friends that are in many other churches now, now it's your turn. Now it's our turn. That same Holy Spirit that lived in, in Paul and then those early disciples of Jesus, you know, they, Acts chapter 2, Peter preached that awesome sermon and the Holy Spirit comes. That same Holy Spirit lives in us. And now it's our turn. It's our turn. It, we need to make a difference. God's working through us. He speaks through us, His servants. And He, ha- he gives us that same authority that He gave those early Christians. Let me share, I want to share one story with you, and then I'm going to ask Cheryl to share a story with you um, about what's going on. Uh, I'm not sure which video that Brother Daniel showed you, but it may have been the guy, was there a guy named Lindbert and a guy named Chango in that, in that video? About four years ago, let me start back just a little bit further because it's really important. About five years ago, uh, you know, I was talking about these evil spirits. What's going on? These evil spirits are killing people. I call it the death spirit. Now, this is in the Choco province of, of Colombia that we're talking about. And in the Choco province, in these Indian villages, uh, in one year, it started about five years ago, at one village, 80 people committed suicide in one year. This is a village of 700 people. More than 10% of the population committed suicide in one year. The village I want to tell you about, there was 24. It's a village of about 300 people, and 24 young people committed suicide in one year. The leaders of that village was very concerned about that. They had went to the witch doctor, they had went to the shaman, and they had done everything they knew to do to try to overcome this evil spirit. But we all know that that can't be done. Humanly speaking, can't be done. So they decided, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. So they left their village, had to leave by boat, this way right up on the border of Colombia and Panama where there's no road system at all, and they went to a town called Turbo. And in Turbo, they found their way to the Baptist church there. And Pastor Ephraim, uh, they were asking him, what can be done about this? And he said, well, I don't know, but we're going to go in and see. We're going to go in and pray for you. And so he got with another pastor named Lionel, and they took a trip into the Choco province. Can't tell you the name of the village. When, when they got there, they were amazed at what was going on. It was kind of crazy. These people scared to death. And so they started walking through the village and praying. And they were just praying through the village. And that evening, they had a, a, a worship service. And something, an Acts chapter 2 thing happened. See, these people speak Imbera. They speak a language called Imbera, Dobida. And so Ephraim is Latino. He speaks Spanish. And so he starts preaching to them in Spanish because that's all he knows. And they understand him as if he is speaking in Barah. This is them reporting this, not me. I'm just telling you what I've heard. And based on what I see, I believe it. Because a couple of things took place. One thing that took place is 20 people come to know the Lord that night. They have a church there now in that, in that village. There hasn't been a single suicide in that village since that day. It stopped. The, the evil spirit was cast out. 
the, we were able to, Cheryl and I was able to mobilize some of our Ember Eye partners into that village after that time frame to help mobilize them because our Latino partners don't speak their language. But these folks that we've been discipling speak the language. They speak Spanish and Ember Eye. So we were able to move, mobilize a couple of guys in there to help start disciple them by using stories. And that became one, the second church among all of the indigenous people of Columbia to be a part of the Columbian Baptist Convention, second church. That's not really that big of a deal, but here's what is a big deal. About two months ago, I was able to go back to Columbia again with one of my Ember Eye friends, and they'd already told me, no, you're not going to be able to go into the village. It's too dangerous, but yeah, he can go in. He doesn't look any different than any of the rest of them. And so we sent him in to tell some Bible stories, to do some more training. And so um, while he was there, he saw what was going on. And he said, it's just like what's happening when we read in, in, in Acts. It's Acts stuff happening in this village. He said, they pray believing that God will heal. Not that God is able to heal, but that he will heal. If we ask God, he's going to do it. They're bringing people in with snake bites that are right at this door, and they're getting better when they pray over them. And the people know that the people out there are hearing just like what happened in Capernaum, and they're bringing them from everywhere. While he was there, there was an old man came into the village, and he's, he is another tribe. He's, he's in Berai, but they speak another dialect called Chami. And uh, my disciple, or my, the fellow who works with me, uh, he only speaks Dobida. He said, I could understand about half of what he said because of the dialect difference. And so they got to talking, and, and he found out that this old man had come seven more hours. Now, he's seven hours in the jungle when he talks to this guy, and he'd come another seven hours even further into the jungle by boat because he said, our village is being really suffering from evil spirits. And we have done everything we can to try to overcome these evil spirits. And we are at the end of our rope, and we don't know what to do. And we heard that in this place, that you all serve a God that has more authority and more power than these evil spirits. And we want to know about that God. So... They're making plans to go into that place. That just happened a couple of months ago. You know, they don't, the people in that village don't even speak this language. But what I see God doing is open up doors for the gospel to spread in the Chokel province for people to hear the gospel. Just like what happened in the stories that I shared with you tonight. They see the authority that Jesus has in those believers' lives. They're recognizing that there is a God who can cast that strong man out. And this death spirit, so you can pray for these guys, is happening all over the Choco province. It's very common. It's, the Bible talks about evil spirits, guys. It's, it's, it's not Ghostbuster stuff. It's real. And so let's pray for them. I would ask you to be praying for them. Cheryl, would you like to come share a story, please?
Okay. Yeah, I've always said when I grow up, I want a voice that carries. Um, so anyway, we're working in this area called Hockey, and this is something we were sharing with the kids, and it just really is on my heart. Um, about in the 70s, in this area, there was a man, an American. Uh, he was Baptist. He was not with the IMB, but he was Baptist, and he worked in this area called Hockey for several years, um, but around 76 or so, he was killed in an airplane crash there in Panama, and nobody ever followed up on the work there, um, and so the work kind of died out, and and we had heard about this place. We had heard there were Embara there, we, and we were wanting to go in and just see what's going on there, see if there was a need for more work to be done there, and it's kind of a gateway to a place in Colombia that we've been wanting to get into. And so we wanted to see what was going on there. So in October of 2016, about a year and a half ago, Kenny and some indigenous went into that area. And, um, and it was very interesting. They went in not knowing anybody. They went in not knowing if they would be received, if they would be allowed to share Bible stories even. Um, but as they went into these communities over and over, they were asked, well, what religious group are you with? And when he told them that he was Baptist, they said, oh, that's what Glenn Prunty was. He was Baptist. And so they were open to hearing that message because of the work that was done 40-some years ago by a Baptist missionary in this area. And, and that during that um, two-week period, they were just, when they would meet people, they would talk about who they were, they would share some Bible stories, and they weren't even really looking to see anything happen. They just kind of wanted to introduce themselves and, and kind of get to know the area. But during that two weeks, there were 17 people that said, I want to follow Jesus and I want to be baptized, which is just amazing, just amazing. But but a lot of that was because of the influence of Glenn Prunty back in the 70s. And these people remembered that he had the truth and that he shared the truth, that he was Baptist. And so they were willing to listen as we told Bible stories. And tonight, looking around, I can't help but think of that, that influence, that influence that people have in your lives. And as I look at Faye Box and the, the children that she taught through the years and that influence that she had. Don and Pat Hassel. I mean, Pat taught five-year-olds, but what a better place to start than with our little ones teaching them about God's love. Um, so I look at Jerry Crouch. Jerry Crouch was one of my Sunday school teachers when I was in the fifth grade, and, and he... he he had to give me more sticks of gum than he ever thought he would have to give anybody because, you know, I answered the questions. But I was a little competitive then, you know, still am. But he invested. He invested his life. You know, I think of the Ogadas and the investment that they've had over the years. Steve and Karen Riker taught senior high kids here in this church, and they invested their lives. Um, Neil and Jennifer Barnes had such an investment in so many young people's lives that came through here in the college and career class. And I will never forget the Sunday morning as a scared 17-year-old going into that college and career class and Neil saying, 
I want to hear about your testimony. And just before that, some guy had shared about how he had come out of this life of drugs. And, you know, he had this grand testimony about how God had saved him. And, well, you know, I walked the aisle as a nine-year-old and was baptized. And, and I just, and he said, you realize that that testimony is just as important as that other guy's testimony. And I'll never forget that you did that. We have the opportunity to invest in people's lives. As long as you're living and breathing air, God has something for you to do. I don't care if you're 80. I don't care if you're 18. God has people that he's put around you to invest in. I don't care if you've, if you've been in Chile and you've now come back to the States. Look at Karen. Karen spent how many years in Chile? 31 years. So she's retired. She's come back to the States, and she's come tonight to be here. She's got two young ladies with her. She's investing her life in these two young ladies and taking her time to invest. And I just, that is so important. And I cannot overemphasize the importance of investing in the lives of others, no matter where you are, whether you're here in Lexington, whether you're in Panama. I think of a young lady. Five years ago, we met a young lady. Her name is Malala. That's not really her name, but she hates her name, and that's her nickname. Malala was cold. She had been hurt. She had been hurt by other missionaries on the field. And we ended up taking in her mother because her mother had had an injury. They stayed with us for several weeks. And, and we just got to know her, and we just started spending time with her. And Kenny started teaching her how to tell Bible stories and started putting her on the spot. Hey, Malala, come tell a Bible story. And she hated to be in front of other people, hated to be put on the spot. But little by little, as we started working with her, and investing in her, she recently shared with us that she never used to think that God would ever want to use her. And she said, I know now that I am valuable to God because you all showed me that God will use me to share his word. It's not that we did anything special. It's not that we're anything special. You know, I used to think missionaries were these wonderful, special people, and then God called us, so it's kind of disillusioning in a way. Because if God will call a redneck farmer from, the, from Kentucky and his wife to the mission field, God will, you know, none of you are safe. <laughs> but God just wants to use us to influence those around us to bring glory to God and to bring glory to his kingdom and to bring others into that kingdom and glorify God forever. And so I just, I, you know, Kenny and I had this discussion today, and many of you know that we left, and there was a church split here. And there's a part of me that still hurts 
when I walk into this building. <laughs> that God's using this time, that God's used this night tonight to help heal some of that. And I don't want to continue to hurt. I want to I want to see God heal that. Um, and and God's done a lot of that tonight. Um, but God has used people in this church for many, many years to, to be an influence in our lives and to teach us about missions, to teach us about God's love. And so we just really appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight, Daniel. And, uh, and, and we appreciate the, the ministry that Broadway has uh, in the mission field. Uh, I know you all have been coming to Panama and go to other places, and so I just encourage you, whether it's in Panama, whether it's in other countries, whether it's right here in Lexington, to look around and see who God has put in your life to influence, um, to bring glory to the kingdom of God. Danny asked me to, to mention gospel reach. I know we've gone over our time. I apologize for that. But we, we work with an organization called the Gospel Reach Foundation. And, and the Gospel Reach Foundation is, is Baptist folks that are coming along beside us as IMB missionary to be able to do some projects that we couldn't do any other way. We don't have the funds to be able to do that. And so they're a really important part of our ministry. They're coming along beside of us, and, and they're helping us to get into these places with, uh, with these missionaries. Malala, she talked about Malala. Malala's the best missionary I know. You know and, and I know this lady. She's been on the field for 31 years. Malala's incredible. She's incredible. And she said, I didn't think God could ever use me. And if you see her work, she's phenomenal. Kids are, you know, we go up the river. They don't want to know about anybody, but where's Malala? She has that relationship. And Gospel Reach is helping us to mobilize those folks into these deep, dark, hard-to-reach places because the reality is, you guys know, it costs money to get into these places. And so Gospel Reach is helping us get folks into that. And I just wanted to mention that. We, we have, uh, I have been in contact with Danny for many years. Uh, you guys have been bringing teams uh, into Panama. I hooked him up with Tim, who was working with teams back in the day, yeah, um, an IMB missionary there that works in that department. Tim and I talked a few years ago and decided that Danny probably ought to come back and start working with us now uh, because we're more settled in what we're doing and we have a good place to use you guys now. So you're, hopefully your next team that you send to Panama, you'll be working directly with us because our work situation has changed a little bit and we're a little bit more stable than we used to be. Uh, not everybody can do can go up that river. It's pretty it's pretty tough. The work we've been doing for the last two years is pretty tough. But we're building a a, a training center in Hake, um, and so we're going to be bringing folks from the states in to help us train people in that training center. We'd love to have your pastor come in and and some of you guys to come in and help help us disciple there. Uh, we'll get you a translator, somebody that can translate a lot better than I can. I'm sure some of you guys are saying, does that guy really speak Spanish because he doesn't speak English too good? Uh, you know, my brother said as we was leaving, if you can learn to speak Spanish, anybody can. And so anybody can. Anybody can. Um, but we're looking forward to working with some of you guys as Danny prepares another team to come into Panama. Um, 
it is still, you're going to say, boy, you said that either way. When you get there, you're going to look at this place and say, I thought you said this was easy. You haven't been up the river. Just remember that. You haven't been up the river. It's a lot harder if you go up the river and you have to take a bath in the river and you have to change your clothes behind the towel. You ever done that before? I've never done that before. Anyway, we're looking forward to you guys sending a team. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Thank you.